What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, everybody? This is Eve with the Healthy Charleston Podcast. Today, we have Tracy from Elevated Physical Therapy. She has such a cool story. The big focus for this episode is probably something a lot of you haven't heard about. It's called endometriosis. And we dig into the diagnosis of it, how to treat it, as well as into women's health, pelvic pain, and all things about that. So without further ado, here is Tracy from Elevated Physical Therapy. Tracy, what's up? Hey, how you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to talk to you and really, I know your story pretty well, but mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear it in person, maybe flush out a couple details and then really uh, dive into some things that honestly I don't know a lot about. So this one should be fun. So. Tracy's a physical therapist um, and has a very, very unique story. Excuse me. And first of all, I just want to maybe start off like maybe why you got in the physical therapy profession and and now why you decided to kind of specialize in this one particular area. Gotcha. Um, So... Back even in high school, I think it was, I knew I wanted to be in the medical field in some way. And during that time, my dad ended up with a herniated disc in his back. And it was really bad. I mean, he was barely able to walk. He was out of work and everything and possibly needing surgery. Then he ended up going to physical therapy and getting better and didn't need surgery. So that got me interested in the physical therapy um, profession. And so I did some volunteering in physical therapy prior to coming to college. And um, I actually volunteered in pediatrics. And I quickly found that was not my field. No, that's funny. But I still wanted to be a physical therapist because I like the idea of being able to really spend time with my patients and get to the root cause of their problem instead of, you know, just treating it with kind of a Band-Aid medication or something like that. Cool. So that's how I got into physical therapy, and that was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then you've kind of had this own personal path, right, that has kind of led you now to elevated physical therapy and kind of maybe, yeah, give us that story if you don't mind as much as you want. So this is a long story. Yeah, I love long stories. (laughs) But um, so I was diagnosed with endometriosis in 2007. And I had a surgery for that. That's the way that it's diagnosed currently. There's no way to test for it other than a laparoscopic surgery. So I had that done. And um, a few years went by and I was doing pretty well. What were the signs and symptoms that you kind of had just for, you know what I mean? Because, again, more for, for, I know a little bit, but I'd like to know even more. So, like, how did you even know that you, that was what was going on? And how did you even come to the point where you needed to have exploratory surgery to even confirm it? Well, for me personally, I had a cyst on my ovary 
and my doctor, um, I had I ended up rupturing and I almost passed out at work, and so oh, wow. I ended up going to the emergency room and because the pain was unbelievable, and they found that I had a cyst that had ruptured on my right ovary, and so. My doctor was like, well, let's just watch it and see what happens. And I was having a lot of pain. I've always had pain with my periods and lots of cramping. And um, I, you know, as Miss Woman, they're just like, oh, that's just a part of being a woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, the cyst kept coming back and it was really painful. My doctor was kind of concerned when he did an ultrasound how my ovary looked. Mm-hmm. And so then he decided that we should do surgery and kind of look for that. But some of the telltale signs are, you know, extreme bloating around your menstrual cycle, pain with ovulation. Um, You can even have pain in between periods. Uh, A lot of fatigue comes along with it, and that's just because it's an inflammatory disease. Um, And pain with periods, of course, pain with sex. Um, And then uh, there's a whole host of of symptoms and a lot of people do have the ovarian cysts because of scar tissue caused by endometriosis so that's how I kind of found out that I had it and what led me to the surgery the first surgery Mm -hmm. Um, and I did okay for a while Um, my doctor had put me on birth control to kind of control the symptoms of endometriosis but then I reacted poorly to that the artificial hormones so I had to come off of that ended up having another surgery um, and during that time also my gallbladder failed because of the birth control pill I was on. Really? So oh, I ended wow. up having, Your body did not like that at all. No. Yeah. I ended up having uh, a double surgery. I had my gallbladder removed and then surgery for endometriosis at the same time. And so um, then that that seemed to help for a couple of years and this seems to be the trend with most women is that you have a surgery the typical surgery is an ablation surgery where they just burn it off mm-hmm. um, the scar tissue or the cysts or whatever the actual endometriosis lesions okay um, and um, I'll go into what specifically it is after I finish my um, sure my little path or I'll get lost <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I had the second surgery, um, I think it was 2010, and um, again, I did okay for a little while, and then I started having really bad pain, and I had pain with ovulation, I was having heavy periods, having lots of cramping, lots of fatigue, um, and I ended up having to see a um, colorectal surgeon, too, because oh, wow. I was having bowel symptoms. Um, that ended up being okay, but then I had another surgery in 2015, um, same thing, ablation surgery, where they burn it off, and nothing improved at all. I mean, my symptoms were the same as they were before surgery, and now I find that I found out that a lot of it was left in there because it was on organs and things that my OBGYN could not operate on, um, my ureter to my kidney. Um, around some bundles of nerves in the sacrum area, um, sacral plexus area, mm-hmm. um, and and various other places. And so, uh, I, I I just kind of struggled along, and and I did. That's when I kind of dug into alternative treatments for endometriosis, and I 
started looking at diet and how to decrease overall inflammation in the body. Um, and then that led me down the path to finding that there are physical therapists that actually help treat the symptoms of endometriosis. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know that. I mean, here I am a PT for 15 years and I had no idea until I went down my own path and started taking courses. And then I saw that there were very few pelvic PTs, especially those specializing in endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And so that's what led me down the path to kind of learn all of these things and, and study that. Love it. And here I am. Yeah. Bam. <laughs> like drop. Yeah. So, yeah, let's circle back to it. So, um, as far as you know, the body's creating these lesions, can you explain that just a little bit more? Yeah. How that works? So, the cells, and there are cells in the lining of the uterus, endometrial cells, and they, the lining of the uterus thickens during um, every month and then it sheds when you menstruate. Mm hmm. So these cells are very similar to those cells, and they're outside of the uterus, but they also go through the cycle that the cells inside the uterus go through. Mm -hmm. And so the body um, sends out like an immune response to try to clean up these cells, and oftentimes that response just continues, like it never gets turned back off. So there's a chronic inflammatory response. For some reason, they're not getting the cells cleaned up and they just stay there, mm-hmm. the body tries to wall it off with scar tissue to protect itself. So then you'll have adhesions between organs. So the uterus and the rectum, um, that's a very common place where things kind of get adhesed together. You can also have it on your bowels. You can have it on your bladder, ovaries, mm-hmm. diaphragm, lungs, and it can be anywhere. Um, it's a... It's a benign metastatic disease, and it continues to grow as it goes through the cycle. And hence, you need to go out the surgery to decrease the growth. Yeah, the thought was like you could burn it off, but what they're finding now is that you have to actually cut it out. So now the gold standard treatment is excision surgery. Mm And usually you need a team of surgeons. So you may need a general surgeon. If you have it on your diaphragm, you would need a thoracic surgeon, a colorectal surgeon if it's on your bowels and they need to remove a part of your colon or something like that. And so it's very hard to find a surgeon in your area to, that does that specialty surgery. The closest one I've found is in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. And they don't know the the root cause, so to speak, of like why that inflammatory, like it just, like a lot of these autoimmune kind of diseases similar to that. We're not really sure why the cycle keeps happening. Yeah. Well, they think that um, there's a genetic component and also environmental components. There's been some research, research that shows that dioxin, which is a chemical um, byproduct or whatever that has been linked to endometriosis um, and then there's a genetic component too and but they don't have a real um, solid explanation for how it starts or why it starts um, yet it's still being researched and as far as when you doubt went down the kind of natural you know holistic kind of route for mm-hmm. treating the symptoms. What were some of the things that you found effective? One, and I'd be curious what other uh, 
if you had any other improvements in your life, right? Because he's like, okay, we had somebody else on the podcast. She has to eat very, very clean, very like, or she gets violently ill, yeah. right? And obviously she's now very fit and like very, very, like there's all these other extra things that go along with mm-hmm. it. So I'm just curious, um, you know, what kind of changes you made and then like what kind of benefits did you receive from that? Yeah. Because you obviously went down that rabbit hole, I know. Yes, I Pretty did. deep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what, what we found as the best route for autoimmune type diseases, and a lot of women with endometriosis also have other autoimmune diseases. Like, mm-hmm. I also have celiac disease. A lot of women also have Hashimoto's thyroiditis or something like that because that system is just turned on and other things are likely to come around. Right. So, um, of course, cutting out gluten was a big deal. Um, and that has been shown as a big time um, stimulator of pain and, and inflammation in women with endometriosis. So, definitely recommend cutting that out. Um, no more bread. Got it. <laughs> um, so, I, I started looking at my diet and I went to a naturopathic doctor who helped me learn how to do an elimination diet. I'm sure you've heard of those. Kind of, yeah. Okay, Amazing. you cut out the top inflammatory foods. That'd be peanuts, uh, wheat or gluten, sure. uh, eggs, soy, corn, alcohol, caffeine, sugar, artificial sweeteners, no, quite like inflammatory, yeah. yeah, dairy, inflammatory oils, like hydrogenated oils or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fruits and vegetables, basically, yeah. right? A whole foods diet. Yeah. Like not eating anything processed. Which which we should do anyway. Yeah. yeah. We're seeing those links between processed foods and cancer and a lot of autoimmune stuff. Like it's getting mm-hmm. it's gonna be I think there's gonna be a very clear correlation, like to the degree of what cigarette smoking has done is gonna be the same thing for processed foods. I predict over the next five to ten years. But who knows? It could be wrong. I think you're right, and I hope that happens so that it's in black and white. Yeah, it's just clear, right? Yeah. Like if you, you know, you eat this uh, TV dinner, which is really funny, I don't know, it's a total aside, but like there was some sort of like cartoon, or no, it was like one of my kids' books. Um, it was called Merry Unchristmas, but it's fine. It's a, we're reading Christmas books right now. And we're like, oh, they're all sitting down for TV dinners. And my son was like, what's a TV dinner? And I was like, <laughs> TV dinners are kind of dead. And I was like, well, it's kind of like, you know, and we've eaten like clean eats or some sort of pre-made meal before. I was like, this is what people used to call kind of TV dinners. I'm kind of glad that's by the, the wayside. But regardless, yeah. anything that like is not, I forgot the word they use, like um, like as a shelf life. You know what I mean? Yes. That's the stuff that you yes. should avoid. And I thought it was a really good kind of blanket statement. Like if it was a shelf life longer than two weeks, please don't eat it. You know? Exactly. Um, like there's a, you know, American cheese. Yes. You know, the little, like, plastic things uh-huh. that my entire life, not a lot, but some. And, like, one day I left one of those things out for, like, two weeks, and it was, like, I could have cut glass with it. Like, it was just, <laughs> and I was like, I'm putting this in my stomach, like, probably not a good idea. Um, but, yeah, sorry, totally, yeah. totally went on a side That's there. okay. Um, so, yeah, so the gluten-free um, elimination diet. For, yep. like, three weeks is kind of the gold standard mm-hmm. so that your body can kind of calm down. And then you introduce each of those food groups. Some of them you never want to reintroduce, of course. But I think it's a good way to see how food really affects your body because you add one in at a time and then you see how your body reacts to it and then you know, you know, hey, maybe I shouldn't be having this food group in my diet. Mm -hmm. 
So what happened with that is, and you also add in some really healthy things to help you digest your food, like apple cider vinegar, and um, you do a lot of healthy omega-3s during that um, uh, elimination diet. And I came out on the other side of that, actually just not even wanting to add a whole lot of those foods back in because I felt so good. Mm -hmm. Um, We also took some supplements during it to help like the liver detox and everything like that right but um yeah i saw a big difference in um bloating like stomach bloating Um, my skin looked better i felt better had more energy um and i had a lot of joint aches and pains and those kind of went away um and so i was like wow this is amazing like how can i learn more about how this actually works sure and so i started studying with the integrative women's health institute Um, dr jessica drummond um, created that for other professionals who wanted to learn more about functional nutrition and so she actually has a program specifically geared towards endometriosis and i'm actually going through her coaching um, program right now that's awesome yeah so you got the um, nutrition piece, yes. obviously the cornerstone of yes. a big piece of it. Were there other things that kind of layered on top? Um, yeah, I added a lot of supplements that are antioxidants or things to help my body deal with inflammation that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, I worked on my sleep routine, making sure that I got plenty of sleep and rest. Um, what else did I do? What about exercise like, yeah exercise piece yeah. or maybe even just some like treatments that you kind of do now that maybe you received as well during that time that my like hands-on treatment or other yeah. kinds of things that okay so I myself got pelvic PT because yeah. of when you are in a chronic pain loop and you know you study pain science the central nervous system is upregulated and so you're kind of like any kind of stimulus in your body just is overreaction and right and so trying to calm that down is really important. And so I've done things like acupuncture to really help with, um, that really helped me with my overall cycle mm-hmm. um, and managing the pain. Um, I've tried, um, there's the thing I've done lately is Arvigo therapy, which is abdominal massage. Mm-hmm. It's based on like Mayan medicine. Um, and it really helps with the scar tissue in your abdomen that you've had from most women have had multiple surgeries that have endometriosis. Um, and so it helps kind of break up some of those adhesions. Um, visceral manipulation is another thing. It's a course that I took recently that also helps with all of those organs um, that are kind of pulled out of alignment. and are kind of stuck together with the scar tissue and adhesions. If you think about like plastic wrap, this is how I try to think about it. If you think about plastic wrap, let's say you wrap it around something like an apple or something, and you pull one of the corners and twist it, the whole shape of that changes. And so that's what's kind of happening with the organs inside. And so that technique actually works on releasing some of those adhesions. And that's been really helpful too. So there's been a lot of things. It's kind of, the key is because there's so many individual issues that come along with endometriosis, you have to do like a multimodal approach and like attack each one, each issue that you're having and with different 
things that might help that specific issue. Yeah. So like the organ adhesions, you would try maybe Arvigo therapy or visceral manipulation, you know, the inflammation in your body, change your diet, Mm -hmm. try to get the inflammation down. Other things, you kind of want to live an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. So you're looking at sleep and, (laughs) yeah, yeah, sleep, diet. Yeah. Um, Are you getting enough sunlight? All of those things. Um, The fatigue, then you would look at any deficiencies in your nutrition and what you might need to supplement. Um, That's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, we can't go down that route. <laughs> yeah, yeah rabbit hole. We will never yeah. dig ourselves out of. Yeah. So you said uh, pelvic PT, like you had pelvic PT yourself, yes. and I, um, I picture some of you like, well, what is pelvic PT, right? So okay. like, just like, hey, I didn't even know people specialized in pelvic PT or even specialized even more in endometriosis. So like, what would, what was pelvic PT for you at that time, and then what is pelvic PT? Okay, so. There's a whole group of muscles down in your pelvis. No way. Who knew? Yeah, right. (laughs) And those muscles can have issues just like any other muscles in your body. So imagine if you're holding your bicep tight all day. How would that feel at the end of the day? And and what would that trigger pain-wise in your body? Um, So a lot of women with endometriosis and having the pain in their abdomen or having scar tissue, it kind of pulls them, your body pulls towards that lesion and things Mm -hmm. kind of tighten up. Um, Those muscles can have increased tone where they kind of stay turned on all the time and then they get really fatigued and that's when you see problems with like incontinence and stuff like that. Right. But um, they can also get trigger points um, and you treat them just like you would treat a trigger point anywhere else in the body. Um, and then you work on trying to calm the nervous system again, where you would get those muscles to relax, do some stretching and some deep breathing. Um, you can also do myofascial work um, with the abdomen. The abdomen's very involved, um, works together with the pelvic floor. So um, you w- might work on abdominal muscles as well, tension there, and posture, of course. Right. So you're kind of working on, which you've already kind of the theme seems to be to try to just, we'll call it downregulate everything, right? Like yeah. everything's on high alert. Your yes. nervous system's on high alert, making your pain sensitivity through the, through the roof. Uh, you know, you're supposed to have some natural muscle tone, but it seems to be way too high, causing mm-hmm. fatigue and possibly more pain. So yeah. you're probably doing a lot of hands-on treatment just to get everything, just to calm the down right as much as possible to calm everything down and and get things to relax and learning how to let go of those muscles that you are probably unaware that you're holding tight all day long right just because your body's kind of protecting from that pain and inflammation in your abdomen yeah that's where i see like such benefit right because there's probably nobody else like you need to learn how to do that Right, like, and it probably takes months to learn how to do that, right? And nobody else it takes time. Yeah. Nobody else is going to address that. Like, as a physical therapist, I can't really address that. Like, we learn those muscles, but I don't really, you know, nor do I have those female. And I mean, you know what I mean? Like directly, right? So, I think that's just so important to note. Like, a doctor wouldn't do that. You know, maybe possibly some people who are trained in certain versions of a personal trainer or something more than likely like you probably would want a physical therapist or somebody who's medically trained to go in there and um 
figure out again how to turn those muscles on and off just like you would a bicep or a shoulder or a mm-hmm. knee or a quad or or whatever right like yeah. that's so valuable right because again just like you said you can take a muscle relaxer sure to help with back pain right mm-hmm. you can take a painkiller right you can get a cortisone shot but that's really just as you put it band-aid care it's just going to mask it but you need to go see somebody to show you okay this is how this muscle needs to work this is when it should be turned on this is when it should be turned off and how to turn it on and off appropriately yeah right like teach you how to use your body in the most efficient way and and you probably get a lot of pain relief and probably a lot more improvement in function and you're much happier and guess what happens when you're happier like your nervous system calms down and it's just you know i always talk about turning that negative flywheel which is pain you know disability uh dysfunction and just keeps negative and now turning into kind of a positive one which i think pelvic pt is at least what i'm hearing right now is just like the only one who can probably do that somebody who's trained in those because that's super complex right like, yeah when you get in there and you've got a pelvic issue like it, it, it seems like you would want somebody that's not going to get better or most of the time not on its own you need somebody to come in there and right help guide you through that and just be aware of that's where your problems are coming from because it can present as constipation it can present as tailbone pain it Mm -hmm. can present as pain down your legs um because of the referral patterns from those muscles and nerves so just kind of figuring out what is the cause and then going after that and and um, getting it to work better. Yeah. I mean, that's where I get so fired up. It's just like, yeah. it's so the educational component of healthcare, which is just being lost everywhere else. Like at no point when you go see somebody, and this could be for pelvic issues and it could be for any orthopedic issue or probably a lot of medical issues. You're typically not getting a lot of education around it. That's my favorite part too. You know what I, I mean? I love doing it. Yeah, you're not yeah. getting any education. You're not getting learning what the muscles are, how to yeah. train them, how to untrain. It's like, oh, right. you got this diagnosis here. Go do this. Like, I would, I would safely assume that a big part of getting better is understanding what's going on with you. Exactly. You know, and it's just being lost and like, yeah. I mean, how many times or how often is this stuff getting misdiagnosed too? Like, oh, I don't know if you sure. have statistics on that. I but do, I, actually. You do? Yes. Oh, oh, okay. Throw <laughs> some statistics it, at us. The average uh, years before diagnosis is seven to 12 years oh my for goodness. endometriosis. Could you imagine? Oh, well, I mean, you and, can't, yeah, right? Like, yeah. this is more the royal you, but, yeah. you know, being in pain for that long and not understanding what's yes. going on. Yes, and just... Getting no relief. And a lot of times the treatments, they're kind of thrown at these symptoms. The side effects of those outweigh the benefits. Sure. So that's a big issue. But it's estimated that 176 million women have endometriosis worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Wow. And so it's it's gotten a lot more attention in the last couple of years because... Um, a lot of women are kind of standing up and asking for better care. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in the surgical world, because it's so hard to find someone currently, now that they've, the American College of Gynecologists has established that excision, like cutting out the lesions, is the gold standard for treatment mm-hmm. and the best way to preserve fertility in women. Um, there's only like 100 surgeons in the U.S. that do it. And a lot of them are out of network providers as well, mm-hmm. um, because 
the amount of skill that it takes to do these surgeries and you have to have a whole team and that's kind of the only way they can work around it at this time yeah so yeah so there have been a lot of of the surgeons that are actually doing this good work have been um coming together at conferences and talking about best ways to to kind of tackle this program or this problem um there's actually one of the surgeons um Dr. Orbuck just wrote a book called Beating Endo. She and a physical therapist, Amy Stein, wrote a book called Beating Endo that's really good, which I try to give out to all my patients. Um, it's just a good guide to this, what it is, how to treat it, mm-hmm. and it does delve into the um, downtraining of the nervous system and the pelvic PT and all of the things I've been talking about. So it's a really good go-to book um and then there's a now an endometriosis summit last year was the first year um that it happened and a lot of surgeons and pain specialists and pts and yoga instructors and acupuncturists and nutritionists like all came together so this year there's another one in february that i'm going to go to so i'm really excited about that yeah to learn about that i mean it's really cool that they finally obviously created a gold standard for it, uh, clear way to diagnosis, diagnose it. Their only way to diagnose it though is go in there for surgery. Like there's no yeah, other way. Exploratory surgery. They wow. are looking for other ways to test yeah. for it. Like a biomarker, some, like yeah. something on a scan that could, yes. right. Yeah. They're looking at also things that could light up on an MRI or CT or something like that. Um, nothing has been established yet. The only way is surgery, which is kind of scary in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but the best thing to do is to have, when if you have a surgery, the best surgery to have would be excision surgery, which is kind of hard to find. So then these women are kind of stuck, like, what do I do? Um, but... The hope is that you have one really good surgery and then you don't have as much endometriosis to deal with as life goes on. Right. Is there other people, like we'll take disc herniations for an example, right? Mm-hmm. There are people who can have disc herniations mm-hmm. and not have any symptoms or mm-hmm. pain, right? Mm-hmm. Is that a possibility in endometriosis as well where you can have, okay, it's been diagnosed, you've had this exploratory surgery. Or maybe you've had one surgery and then bam, like you really don't have any symptoms or maybe you control your diet or whatever. But Yes. Yeah? Yes. Okay. So um, if you go through, and, and that doesn't work for everyone, like it doesn't work for everyone right. with um, disc Disc herniations either. We don't, right. You know, we don't but know yes, why, there but. are some people that have um, endometriosis and don't have very many symptoms, but maybe later on they have a problem with an organ that has it on there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's people with stage one. Staging is kind of not like standardized right now. Not an exact science. Say like minimal lesions, stage one Mm -hmm. has more pain than someone with stage four sometimes. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's just kind of like the body, I think, overall processing of those lesions and how their individual body processes those right so the thought is that if you do some things to help with those issues of inflammation chronic inflammation that keeping that at bay 
will help you have minimal symptoms. Mm -hmm. Maybe not get rid of them all the way, but have minimal symptoms. Yeah. Or have tools to manage the symptoms that you do have. Yeah. And I would say most of us, maybe I'm crazy, but most of us have some sort of like, you know, IBS type of symptoms or we'll call it bloating or whatever, mm -hmm. like on a, on a regular basis, that probably would be minimal if we all had a clean diet, probably would be a lot better. So <laughs> yeah, so we're living a relatively like, we'll call it a quotation marks here, normal life that yeah. um, anybody else would and really not notice the mm -hmm. difference between anybody else. Okay, that's uh, that's interesting, right? It's just like with a lot of the medical stuff, like disc herniations or we'll call it endometriosis, whatever, it's interesting that some people can have when somebody looks really, really bad on a scan, right, but have absolutely no symptoms, or somebody could have what looks really, really good on a scan and have absolutely terrible symptoms. It just shows you how complex the body is, you know? Um, yeah. And I love your idea of, it's always, I think it should be anyway, always kind of multi-factorial or multi-treated tr from multiple angles, you know? Yeah. Sleep, nutrition, rehab, exercise, education, like, all these things should, as far as the healthcare field goes, hopefully that becomes more of the standard of care. Yeah, yeah. that's my hope. Yeah, one day. <laughs> so, um, so now you've decided to really uh, tackle endometriosis from your practice standpoint as a, as a pelvic um, physical therapist. So walk us through what that's like for somebody who may like walk in your door. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with someone endometriosis. Obviously, that's your your bread and butter but yeah let me walk us through what what's that like because I'm really curious like somebody walks in your door what happens next well I mean we do a generalized evaluation process uh, I do a musculoskeletal evaluation as just like I would do with any person just to see if that's contributing in any way so like, we just look know, at the whole body yeah you know like just what we talked about we look at their life stressors, their sleep habits, are they getting good deep sleep or waking up what I call wired and tired. Mm -hmm. You know, you get sleep but you wake up and you feel like you haven't slept at all and you just feel kind of wired and anxious. Um, how is their diet, how are they digesting their food? Um, I know you've heard of leaky gut. Mm -hmm. If that's a problem, um, that contributes a lot to the inflammation in the abdomen, which can also make the endometriosis symptoms kind of flared up. So we look at that. We look at how nourished are they from their food? Like, are they getting Such their servings of yep. dense nutrition mm -hmm. with vegetables and healthy proteins? Um, uh, we look at, you know, what, how are they moving? How is their body moving? How often are they moving their body? Are they getting outside in nature, getting sunshine? Um, and then whatever primary pain area that they have, of course, we look at that and see what we might could find is causing that. And then we just address the major issue, what they're feeling their major issue is first. Mm -hmm. So we'll go tackle that first and then work on the other things as we go along. So it seems when people walk into your office, they've got multiple things going on. One thing is like, you know, uh, really bothering them, so maybe the pelvic pain or mm -hmm. maybe incontinence, whatever, right? But then it's right. like, oh man, there just seems to be like layers to this onion. So you kind right. of have to treat Right. Well, what's contributing to that one problem? Mm -hmm. You kind of have to look at their whole body 
you know, Makes are sense. they and their and their lifestyle and support system because that's really important too. Because um, we all know how stress affects pain and affects how you're feeling and your energy levels and your sleep. Yeah. How well you're sleeping. Sleep is such a big part of your overall health. Right. Your quality of sleep. How long are you sleeping? And um, so we, we kind of dig into all those areas of their life and work on one at a time. Um, and then there's a 12-week uh, health coaching specifically for endometriosis that I'm offering now. Um, and we just we work together once a week and kind of dig into all of those things and also um, a lot of education on what it, the actual disease is and how to manage it and giving out tons of resources and what other practitioners can I refer to that might be able to help them with this issue as well. So yeah. that's kind of what I do. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, we fortunately or unfortunately know that to make these kind of real changes, whether they're lifestyle or whether they're the rehabilitative process, that it just takes time. It's not going to be it takes a, time. You know, a one and done kind of thing. Right. You just come in and it's going to be a completely passive situation and you know you just get this modality done and then you're you know you're gone right like it's yeah it's going to require a lot of time and energy and thought process and working back and forth so i just love the idea same thing that we're kind of gearing towards made to move is like being more of a health coach or performance coach because that just seems to fit more of what's going on and how different you know because people think of like well i'm getting coached if you're getting coached you're usually getting coached one time like no everybody understands that if i'm being coached this is a process. This is it's a season or it's a whole year of a sport, whatever, right? So yes, it um, takes a lot of time to kind of calm things down and learn yeah. your body. Like right. what is going to help you might not help someone else. You have to kind of look at each individual person. It's not like a blanket. Okay, you do X, Y, and Z, and everyone does X, Y, and Z. Right. You have to find out what works for you, and that takes time. Right. I would say six, like you said, six months to a year. Yeah to really figure it out. Yeah. To give that cross her head people. Like it's just these kind of changes don't happen quickly. It's not a few months, yeah, six months to a year. I love that idea to really truly mm-hmm. understand something, especially as complex uh, as endometriosis yeah. or pelvic pain or um, multiple things. So one thing I wanted to circle back to before I forget, like what were the common places that people are having pain that come in to see you? Like you say pelvic pain and like, okay, I understand where the pelvis is, Right, but like, mm-hmm. where people like where specifically? I don't know. Would people be typically having? Well, in the muscles of the pelvis, of the pelvic floor muscles. So they're kind of like a bowl shape, mm-hmm. and they're in between um, your pubic symphysis and your ischial tuberosity and your tailbone. They kind mm-hmm. of hook yep. and come across. Those muscles can be sore and painful, just like you have a neck ache from hmm. bad posture at your right. desk or something like that. That ache in your upper back that you get from bad posture, you can have that same ache down below in those muscles as well. So it's, it's that's basically... Interesting. Yeah. yeah. But so, yeah. I mean, you can I'm, also have pain like with urination or you can have pain with having a bowel movement or mm-hmm. something like that. Because um, those muscles, like some of those muscles, actually go around your rectum and affect your um, continence, and con- and it definitely affects your ability to have a bowel movement. 
so you can have pain there as well. Um, so anywhere in your pelvic area, including bladder, the organs in your pelvic floor area, the for women, the mm -hmm. bladder, the uterus, and then the rectum sits right behind the uterus. Any of those areas can also have pain. And is that more of like a constant dull ache that typically these women are dealing with? Or it's yeah. like, again, more specific when they're having a bowel movement or they need to lift something maybe heavy or mm -hmm. something like that? Like, what is it? It can be referred pain like nerve type pain. Mm -hmm. um, so it can actually travel away from the actual source of pain, just sure. like anywhere else in the body. Mm -hmm. Um, so it can be down your legs. It could be actually in the actual muscle. Um, is that more often than not, like in, obviously in the pelvic area? Like just yeah. have like a to be constant... like a, a like a toothache type pain. Yeah. And what yeah. do typically women attribute that to? Say they have that, they just like, you know, I personally know that women are extremely tough. So like they just walk around with that pain all day, and they're just like that's a yeah. it's a normal part of my life, and I'm just not gonna do anything about it or. Like, well, I'm just curious. Some do, some yeah. don't. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of times it gets mis misdiagnosed as like a yeast infection or something like mm -hmm. that. Or um, the pain will be going down the front of their leg and they think it's hip pain mm -hmm. or uh, SI pain or something like that. When the actual muscles in the pelvic floor can refer mm -hmm. in those same areas. Um, piriformis pain can sure. be also pelvic floor pain that's being mistreated, misdiagnosed. Um, so a lot of times it can be uh, a musculoskeletal type pain and sometimes it can be like a burning pain like you have an infection in that area yeah. and so it gets and misdiagnosed of like a U it'll get misdiagnosed a lot of times as a UTI mm -hmm. or a yeast infection or something like that and so then antibiotics are thrown at it and it doesn't get better. Um, and yeah, I just yeah, I picture just people like oh, it didn't get better. It's like oh, okay, this is my new normal because just like anything else, like yeah, the human body's really cool that like has just a threshold, right? So if you're dealing yeah. with a constant pain, let's call it an eight out of ten or something. Like even if that pain is still there, just because our ability to kind of like get used to something, mm -hmm. you know, would take it down to a four. It's like okay, here's my new four, and you can distract yourself pretty easily, and it's not that bad. I mean, it's just like people with back pain. It's like oh, my back pain's not that yeah. bad until it is that bad you know um so yeah the key is not to let it get that bad you know because mm -hmm. a lot of i mean some other treatments for this type pain is also the same as for any other pain yeah. to be muscle relaxers NSAIDs, um pain pills which i assume would only make the situation worse when it comes to like yeah. a pelvic because you want to relax those muscles like yeah. maybe some but not like chronically forever right like right you know? yeah sometimes they're using botox as well that's when it gets really severe mm -hmm. just to kind of give that the body a break from right. that intense pain it can be very helpful to use something like that to treat uh chronic pelvic pain what i would say with that would be from someone who has more of a nerve type pain a pinch, pinched nerve in that area. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting stuff. Any other kind of like words as far as endometriosis um, that you want to get into? Or do you think we, I think we covered a good We covered amount. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was a quote from this, this book that I wanted to Sure, read. please. Yeah, um, absolutely. Okay. And this goes into what we were talking about, that it takes time. 
Um, this is from Beating Endometriosis. How do you beat a chronic and systemic disease process once it has been set in motion? By setting in motion another process that is equally chronic and equally systemic. That means, simply put, that you must be prepared to address the disease across a number of different organ systems. It also means you can't assume that having done so, you're also done with the disease. You won't cure your endo, but you will beat it. Yeah. So you have to go at it with the same intensity that it's affecting you Mm -hmm. for long-term success. Right, right. Like the idea that this is a systemic thing, like the entire body, and you can't just treat it by doing one thing. You have to treat it the same way that it's... Presenting. Presenting, sure. You know, you got to take it, get it from all angles, and there's Mm -hmm. really no other way to cool really cool so if anybody wants to hear more about tracy or find out more about tracy and all the cool stuff you got going on how would they find you um my website is elevatedpt.com my practice is called elevated physical therapy um and then my instagram handle is pelvic health posse best handle ever thanks Oh, with cool. the thought of like a sisterhood yeah. of women dealing with issues. Education and community. Yeah, community is big. Yeah. Is that what you're asking for? All yes. This? Okay. Yeah, got it. No. <laughs> All right, cool. Awesome. Thanks, Tracy. Welcome. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, where we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.